Welcome to the Passion Harvest podcast audio series. Thank you so much for listening today. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. If you would like to watch this episode, please head over to our Passion Harvest channel on YouTube. We love taking you on a journey to discover your passions. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to Passion Harvest. Thank you for being here wherever you are in the world. I'm Louisa, your host. I am so excited about my guest today, Scott Taylor. And if you don't already know who he is, this is going to be such a great interview. Scott Taylor had a shared death experience in 1981. Scott has been committed to exploring and raising awareness of NDE's near-death experiences Ever since, he wrote his doctoral dissertation on how near-death experiences live in unity. Scott became president and executive director of the Munro Institute in 2019. His vision for Munro is its expanded global distinction as the world's go-to organization for exploring human consciousness. Scott is America's foremost facilitator of near-death experiences, meditations and retreats, having helped thousands explore the non-physical universe and the journey of transition. Scott is the voice and author of six best-selling Into the Light audio albums that explore the intersection of hemisync technology and NDEs. Scott earned a BA from Coe College in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and an MBA from Kellogg Graduate School of Business at Northwestern University in Chicago. He later earned a Minister of Spiritual Counseling degree from the New Seminary in New York and a Doctorate in Educational Leadership from the University of St. Thomas in St. Paul, where he studied individuals who had near death experiences. This is his story and this is his passion. Scott, welcome to Passion Harvest. I am so glad that you invited me. Thank you, Lisa, for being here. I'm so glad you said yes. <laughs> All right. Okay, let's get started. This is going to be such a great interview. I really, really am excited about this one. I'd love to start with your shared death experience and how it differs, differs from near-death experiences. I would love to tell you that because um, it had quite an impact on me and my life. Uh, it was 1981 and I was in love with a woman. Her name was Mary Frances and she and her son Nolan had been out sailing. And at the end of the day, they were driving home. And as she turned off a gravel road onto the county highway, um, she wound up looking into the sun and didn't see the car coming. And there was a horrific accident. And Mary Fran was killed outright. And her son, Nolan, had a, had a mortal head wound that um, it took him six days to make his transition. Um, they took him to uh, Rochester Mayo, uh, the Mayo Health Clinic, and um, while we were there, because there was um, six days between the accident and uh, when he made his transition, we had the, the chance for the family to gather. Um, so Mary Fran was one of nine children, and as, as number three, um, she um, gave birth to Nolan and he was the eldest grandchild. So, um, you know, both of them held very special places in the hearts of their family. And so when the accident happened, um, we had all kinds of people converge on, on Rochester, Minnesota to have that uh, chance to uh, hold vigil with young Nolan and to support each other. And so um, there were uncles and aunts and cousins and grandparents and her family, my family. It was, uh, by, by the time the six day rolled around, there was, there was quite a crowd there. And early on the morning of that sixth day, um, uh, we had been um, working in pairs to stay with, with Nolan the whole time because we know um, that a person in a coma, he, Nolan never did come out of the coma, 
Um, but we know that hearing is the last thing to go. So we wanted to be there and to tell him stories about what was going on. And there were plenty of stories as, you know, when you have 50 people there, all converged on this one little waiting room. And um, it, there was actually some really, really fun things that, that had happened in the middle of, in the middle of our grief around the accident. Anyway, um, Mary Fran's oldest sister and I had the shift between three in the morning and five in the morning. And we went in and we did fun stuff. We read him stories. We, we told him about what was going on uh, with the relatives and how they were all sleeping higgledy-piggledy in, in this little small waiting room. And um, just in general, tried to, uh, to buck up his spirits. Well, it got close to be five in the morning and um, Mary Fran's eldest sister uh, was an emergency room nurse. And when it got to be close, she walked to the end of the bed and took out the chart that he had. Now, there were paper charts back then. And, you know, was, was flipping through them and reading them and comparing the notes um, that were on the chart versus all of the monitors that were in the room. And it's when she gave me this really serious look and she kind of kind of shook her head and said, um, we, need, we need to say goodbye. And so we pulled up a couple of chairs and we sat down next to Nolan and told him that he had been a very brave young boy and that he was trying as hard as he could to be able to stay with us. And we knew that, but if his mother, uh, now remember she'd passed away six days before, um, but if his mother came to pick him up, that it was okay for him to go with her and that that was the right thing to do. And so, um, you know, just to say hello to her and, and, and to wish the both of them well. We told him we loved him and we kissed him goodbye. And we left the room and, you know, the next shift came in. Well, about 45 minutes later, the nurse came into uh, the waiting room and told us that it was time, that we should be there. And so we all filed into this little hospital room and we gathered around the bedside. But as it, whatever turned, weirdness, I was one of the last people in the room and there was already three, four deep around the bed. So I just decided to sit on the windowsill with um, Mary Fran's youngest brother, Willie. And we just waited and, you know, we could sit there and look at the monitors and just watch the heartbeat and it slowed and it got slower and slower. And finally it had that drone where they're just, it just, he just flatlined. And when that happened, what I witnessed was Mary Fran coming across the veil and approaching Nolan and scooping him up out of his physical body. Wow. And as a result, I'm not sure how this was arranged, but I got to participate in that reunion. And you can only imagine what that would be like, this exquisite reunion between mother and child. And um, there was this, um, the amount of love that was in the room was extraordinary. And, and there they were in this embrace, which they held for some time. And then quite to my surprise, um, the two of them then turned to me and embraced me. And then the three of us went to the light. And entering into the light was the most extraordinary experience I have ever had. It is exquisite beyond measure, the amount of um, love and ecstasy and um, uh, requited longing. I mean, it's just, you know, every emotion you can think of that would be um, variance on the word love is, is there. And it is, 
um, it's a place of unity. So not only was I feeling um, this connection with both Mary Fran and Nolan, because we could do that in that space and be completely with one another and communicate with one another. But I was also connected with the whole of the university and, and came to realize that that experience that, that we are made up of the same stuff that the universe is made up of this, this loving vibration that is what the universe is. And, and so I got to be in that space for a while with Mary Fran and Nolan. And then at some point we were complete and it wasn't a word. It wasn't like they said goodbye to me, but it was like, we're complete. And then the two of them turned and went further into the light and I turned and came back to my physical body. Now, there's part B to that story, which is um, when I left to go into the light with Mary Fran and Nolan, I bilocated. That's a word I have since learned after the fact. But what happened to me then was that I was completely conscious and aware. I was completely with Mary Fran and Nolan in the light. And at the same time, I am completely in the room with the grieving relatives. And I know this because um, the inside of me was just filled with this, this joy. And it was like the bliss that was inside me was just was bursting to get out. And um, there was, it felt like this radiation from me. And I had on my face this expression of wonder and amazement and, and love. And it was so, it was so inappropriate for the moment that I wound up, you know, covering my face with my hands because, you know, just moments before everybody else in the room had lost their nephew, they lost their cousin, they lost their friend, they lost their grandson. And I'm in this state of wonder and bliss and they're, you know, holding on to each other and weeping onto each other's shoulders. So I had to be um, cognizant of where they were at and where I was at. And I covered my face and I stayed that way until um, the three of us were complete. And I came back to my physical body and both of my consciousnesses came and were one again. I was split, two separate, totally functioning consciousnesses and then they came back together in my body. And that is um, an experience that, um, that I didn't know what to do with. And so I wound up not talking to anybody about it for 15 years. It was just wow. so outside my experience. And I mean, I grew up in a small town in Southern Minnesota. Um, I'm... Presbyterian by, you know, culture, I guess. Mm -hmm. And um, in the lexicon of the Presbyterian church, they don't talk about this idea that you can leave your physical body and join with those who have made their transition. And they don't talk about the fact that you can split your consciousness. And they certainly don't talk about the idea that in the moment of your greatest grief, you are simultaneously in the greatest joy. So I didn't know what to do with it. And I had no words to put around it, at least not then, that I just was quiet. And we know now that um, safety around disclosure is a big deal to people who've had near-death experiences. And there's been tons written about that. Um, but for me, I had to hold it. I had to hold it in and um, part of it was I'm not sure how it was going to be received. Part of it was it was just such a such a different experience that I didn't know what to do with it. And you know, part of it was just this idea that 
I could be um, okay with it. I'm not sure that's the right word, but it, it's um, that sense of who I am and what I thought I believed about the world was just was just shattered in an instant. Yeah. And it takes a while to bring that back together again and to believe that what this is, is normal and that we are more than our physical bodies. And there is much to explore in the non-physical world. Well, I mean, what an incredible experience. I have to ask you the question, when we leave our physical body, is this your belief? Is this what happens? That we go into the light and experience this unconditional love and uh, connectedness? Yeah. I believe this is what's happened. Um, in my introduction, you mentioned that I, uh, I did my doctoral research on people who have had near-death experiences. And there have been tens of thousands of people who have written about their experience and have been studied by scientists and researchers. And this is the path. I am utterly convinced that what has been identified through uh, the experiences of near-death experiences is what will happen for us. And it is um, also my, um, having spent time in the non-physical universe and conversing with, um, with people who've, been, who've passed away, I mean, it's the same story and mm -hmm. it's a beautiful one. And, you know, in a, in a rough way, um, you know, what happens to people when they leave their physical body for the last time is that um, very often there is somebody there to greet them. I mean, standing at the bedside and, you know, it's Uncle Ben or whomever. And, you know, it's like, nice to see you, Scott. <laughs> you know, like, come on, we got stuff to do. And... And they will escort you to the light. And, you know, very often that includes going down a tunnel. And if, if, if Ben is a really good guide, I'll stop along the way and go, Scott, you got, you got to stop here. And, you know, look at this crystal and listen to the music and touch the walls of the tunnel because it's all filled with information that's for you. And they'll just, you know, kind of really be a wonderful guide. And then as we exit the tunnel, we enter into, um, into the light. And one of the things that happens um, is that there are um, three different kinds of light. When you read about near-death experiences, very often they'll always talk about the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. well, yeah, but it, it's, there's white light and there's black light and there's clear light. And um, White light is what you see all the time in the movies because it's really easy to do. It's, you know, what uh, Harry Potter encountered when he was in the, in the last film, when he went up to see Dumbledore, he was in the white light. So it, it's an extraordinary place with this brilliant um, sun that is um, just so bright that you would think that you couldn't stand it, but you have non-physical eyes now so they can absorb this light. And it's quite extraordinary. And, and all of these lights involve, um, it's not like they're outside in, but you enter into them and you merge with them. So if you're really careful and have your wits about you and you turned around and you looked to see if there's a shadow caused by the bright light at the end of the tunnel, there isn't one. It's because you are merging with this this love that is emanating from this bright light. Interesting. I just have to ask about the three lights. Should we be gearing towards one particular color more than the other? Hmm. That each of the lights has um, a different aspect to it. And so the, the whole near-death experience seems to be organized around the idea that it's appropriate for you. So it's designed especially for you. And so maybe it's appropriate for me to have a white light experience or a black light experience, which is exquisite. Um, black light, the people that I've talked to that have had black light experience to the person, they do the same thing when they're talking about it. They cross their arms in front of them and they start to, um, they just start to rock. 
and they rock back and forth and they, and they talk about how unconditional the love is and how this is the source of all being. And if you're a fan of Genesis in the Hebrew Bible, you know, it begins with there was dark and then there was light. Well, mm -hmm. this is the dark before it was the light. It's the source where everything comes from. And it's um, extraordinarily welcoming. And um, many people uh, use the words or words to the effect of that this is the womb of God. And isn't that lovely? It's a, beaut it's a beautiful term. It just, it just treasure that to be able to, to use that phrase because it really captures um, what the black light is all about. And clear light, on the other hand, is an entirely different experience again. And this one is about, um, say you're in a place and all of a sudden you begin to realize that everything is emanating its own light, that everything is made up of the same light and everything is made up of the love of the universe. And so you begin to realize that I'm me, but yet I'm also you. And I'm also the desk and I'm also, you know, that wood plaque on the wall. And I am connected to everything because we are made of the same stuff. And at the same time, I am me. So it's this weird situation where, you know, we're outside of duality. Now we're in this world of unity where I can be me and I'm connected to everything in the universe. And yes, so, that, that's another hard concept to grasp that we're connected to everything. Everything. We are literally a part of everything. And think of it as the, the energy that exists, that space between um, molecules, you know, so mm -hmm. it's the space between the electron and the proton and the neutron and the quarks at, it, at the very fundamental level of the universe. That is the light and the love that is there for us. It is literally the physical universe is made up of the love of the universe. And it's, and we get to be part of that because that's who we are at our, at our fundamental nature. And so when you enter the light at the end of the tunnel, um, there's a reunion. You know, all your dead relatives are there and your the pets that you love and uh, um, the friends that you have adored over the course of your life. And you get to have this wonderful reunion with friends and relatives and they catch up on you and you catch up on them. And it's it's just it's a hoot. It's, it's just great fun. And then at some point, um, a being of light appears and says it's time to move on. And typically that's what happens when people go and have their uh, life review. And the life review is an extraordinarily healing event um, for a couple of reasons. Um, one is that being in the presence of a being of light, um, again, you wind up merging with this being and they are so powerful and so loving that any of the dark places that are in your soul, they're just, they just go away and you are filled with this, this love from the being and you become one with the being and you merge with that, that, that loving nature. And then you go to have a life review and that's a great thing because what you get to do is to relive your whole life with all of your physical senses, knowing everything about what's going on, you get to relive it as you. And you get to relive it as the other. So if we were having a, a life review right now, I would know all about this interview from my perspective. And I would know exactly how you're reacting to this interview. And I will know exactly how people watching this interview are reacting to it. And so because, because we're all connected, all the knowledge of the universe is available to us. And then... The third part of it is you get to see it from an omniscient point of view. So I'm me, I'm the other person, and I also get to see how our interaction plays out in the universe, plays out to our friends and our family. And, and so we get to um, 
we get to relive it in all of its wonder and glory. And the being of light is there to have a very special role. And typically they ask us only one question. And that is, what did you learn? Or something like, how did you express love? And that's it. So if you remember, there's this wonderful old movie. Oh, it's, um, it's Brooks and Mel Streep called um, Defending Your Life. And I don't know, it's like 20 years old or something. The two of them wind up meeting in heaven and they're having to appear before a tribunal and they have to defend the decisions they made in their life. And I'm here to tell you right now, that is complete bogus. Okay. That is not how it works. It's no, no, no. How it works is the being of light is with you and loves you through this experience of reliving your life again. And it's it's wonderful. And you get to be healed because you get to see how all of this plays out. And maybe you were supposed to pay just by being a jerk one time, that was incredibly important to somebody else. And that spurred them on to do something wonderful. And that was your role to play. And you get like, way to go, Scott, you did that beautifully. You were such a primo jerk. It was great. <laughs> That's a great way of looking at it. And, and, um, but here's the, here's the really interesting part is that, um, and I love talking oh, about, this. I like it how now we're getting interesting. <laughs> now, this is, it this wasn't is interesting the, before, by the way, I was really bored. I'm joking. <laughs> okay. uh, so what happens is, um, if you're, if you've heard about this or you've been trained on how to navigate the non-physical universe, one of the things you can do is to stop action. So say there's a scene between you're at the grocery store and this young clerk is having trouble with the register, can't get the register to work and you're impatient and you snap at this young person. You know, like, can't you get that right? Blah, blah, you know, and you're just, ugh, you're being awful. Didn't mean to be, but it was, you know, you were in a hurry and chop, chop, let's go. Well, what you can do is, you know, say to the being of light, I'd like to try an alternative. What if I had been a really nice guy and said, you know, looked at this young girl's name and go, oh, Stacy, um, everybody has troubles with electronics now and again, what's going on? Well, it's my first day at work and the manager said the computer would tell me exactly what to do, but it's not telling me anything. It's just the screen, is it, you know, and you begin to realize that it's not Stacy's fault. You know, the manager didn't train her and, and he's like, you know what, Stacy, let's go get the manager and we'll sort this out really quickly. You don't have to suffer because everybody's had their first day on their job and they didn't know what they were doing. So come on, let's go. And all of a sudden now it's a totally different scene and it ends up in a totally different way. And as it's spread out into our families and into the community, it had a different vibration. But here's the cool part that scene becomes part of our life. That new scene becomes part of us. We get to have both of them in our history. So we get to be the part where, you know, I'm an impatient person and I get to be a, the person who is compassionate. It's now in the history of Scott. And because we are all connected, that alternative view of the universe all of us get to share because we all learn from that experience when Scott got wiser and he got to say, oh, wow, I was being a twit. So let's do it a different way. And so now all of us get to benefit from that because at some level we're all connected and we all get to benefit from each other's experience. And then, so the life review is over and we get to enter into that area that's like between lives. And then there's a decision whether or not you want to come back to the physical, you want to stay in the non-physical. Sometimes you get to make that decision. Sometimes you don't. And you're just, you're plunked back in your physical body. So that is the general trajectory of a near death experience. 
and some of the cool stuff that happens along the way. That's great. Thank, thank you so much for sharing that. Can I ask you a few questions? <laughs> of course. I, I'm on I, a roll. Here, I, so might, I might be going off track here. We've got so much to talk about, but what a beautiful gift you were given with your shared death experience. Why you and not the other 50 family members? Um, <laughs> uh, you must be hooked in because about 10 years later, I interviewed another family member who had had a near-death experience. And it turns out that she had had exactly the same experience as me. Wow. That when I was interviewing her about her near-death experience, at the end of it, I just, I asked her, I said, you know, you were in the room when Nolan made his transition. Something really unusual happened to me. I wonder if anything unusual happened to you. And her eyes got like, just like big saucers. And, you know, seeing that was a yes, I just said, hey, tell you what, you tell me your experience and then I'll tell you mine. And what she told me was when Nolan flatlined, she witnessed Mary Fran coming across the veil, scooping Nolan up out of his physical body. They embraced and she got to be part of that embrace. And at some point they turned to her and the three of them went to the light. She used the exact same words that I used to describe my experience. So this is um, one of the rare cases that I know about of a shared near-death experience that was corroborated wow. by another individual who wasn't part of the process. And um, yeah, so it was, that's a great question. Very few people oh. have ever asked me that. Oh. So. Well, you, well, thank you. you. <laughs> I really want to ask you about bilocating, but I just have to ask when we go up to the light and we meet our relatives and family members, are they just hanging out there? What are they doing there? I know I'm talking from a physical perspective, but what are they doing? Hanging out? Oh, oh my word. They are so busy. I can't tell you. Okay. Um, this is um, in the, the, the vibration um, in the literature is often called the park. And in the park is, is the area of life between lives. So as you um, exist in that space, um, you get a chance to learn things. And it, it's not unlike being here in that you can um, partake in all kinds of things. One of the, um, in, in meditation, you can go to that place, you can go to the park and there is like, there's a center for everything. So if you're interested in dance or you're interested in raising flowers or you're interested in being an attorney or a physicist, or you want to uh, be a baker. I mean, there's all these centers of learning that are there. And, you know, so one day you decide that um, you want to learn how to paint, you know, and, and be as good as Picasso or whatever, you know, just go to the school and and meet with other people who are doing the thing and you can you can do that and so it's it's all about this this sense of self-improvement and it's about how do we grow as a soul and you can grow it in the physical world or you can grow it in the non-physical world this is a being in the physical is a very special um extraordinarily special place to be and it's not for the faint of heart no it's so it could be a tough road sometimes it's, it can be a tough road and we choose when we come here uh, to apply this filter and the filter says that we're not going to remember that we're connected to everything in the universe and we're not going to remember that we have all of these abilities that exist in the non-physical world we are going to be limited to the five physical senses here and maybe a couple of others if we figure it out. And we're choosing to have a very limited existence in a very dense physical world for a particular purpose. There's a particular thing that we want to do to grow as a, as a soul, or maybe we're helping other people to grow in their path as a soul. And um, yeah, it's a, it's an extraordinary commitment. So I'm sorry, the, the quick answer to your question is they're having a blast. 
and they're just having fun. And then they get the call that says, you know, yo, Luis is coming. Time for her to, you know, time to join her. And so you gather as a group and up you pop from the physical. And it's like, yes, you're here. We have so much to talk about. Yes, 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 yes. And then you remember and, everything about your, um, the veil's lifted. A part of the veil is lifted. Um, from what I know in my conversations with dead people is that they, um, it, takes, it takes a while. There's a period of adjustment from the physical to the non-physical. So they don't blast you all at once. And you, you, get, you get to gently kind of move through and uh, go at the pace that's comfortable for you. Um, and, and, and rightfully so, because some of us come from uh, really wounded places in the mm -hmm. physical world. And so maybe we have to spend a little time and clear out that drug addiction that we had or maybe we had some physical injuries and now we have to you know, readjust to our um, whole self. And maybe we were 97 years old and really frail and in ill health. And it takes a while to remember we're healthy and we're vibrant and this is what it feels like. So it takes a while to kind of get back into the fullness of being in uh, the non-physical world. And part of that is, is having that party with the friends and relatives and pets. And it's kind of a, you know, what a wonderful way to enter into that space. What a wonderful way. And then we choose to return again and again for experiences. We do. We, we, we do do that. Um, and one of, the, I'm, one of the cool things that I have found about spending a lot of time in this space and helping people to discover what it's all about is that um, in the non-physical world, this is a place that's outside of time and space. And so when I talk about, you know, all these various lives that we can have, please remember that all of them are happening simultaneously. So you're going to, you, know, you just answered my next question. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there we go. I knew that because I'm now, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're hooked together, right? We are, we're, we're connected. <laughs> and, and so all of this um, happens at the same time. So when I'm talking about, you know, there, there I am and I'm a, a Roman soldier and I'm a slave on a ship and I'm a, a farmer in the 1850s in, you know, in the Midwest. And you know, I had all of these lives as men and women. And the cool thing is, is that they tend to, um, what's the word I want to use? Um, inform each other. So as I get older and I get wiser, I think part of that is because there's a life over here that's telling me you know, here's a new lens with which to look at your life in Virginia, in the U.S. And there's a, there's a lens that I can provide another life back when I was a Neanderthal person, you know, running around. Oh, dear. I thought I had that turned off. I'm That's sorry. okay. It happens all the time. Happens to me, too. <laughs> um. There so it's it's all happening all our it all happens all at the same time it's all happening now and and in and one of the things we can do in meditation is to visit those lives and to inform each other of those lives um, one of the most meaningful stories that has happened to me is um, Nolan he remember he was seven when he made his transition and we have stayed in communication um, ever since he's made his transition and we have a we have a place that we meet it's a park bench think of uh, like those that are in uh, central park in new york yeah. you know kind of scrolly on the ends with the slats and it's and it's a lovely it's a lovely setting there are flowers around and grass and anyway so we meet on this park bench and depending upon what it is that we want to talk about. Um, sometimes he'll be seven and sometimes he'll be 30 and sometimes he'll be 40, he'd be 45 now. And, um, and, and so we just 
you know, have these different conversations. Well, one of them um, that was particularly meaningful for me was um, he showed up as a young man, early 30s, and it looks like he's um, uh, coming from a life in the 1950s because he has that kind of a suit and he's got the narrow tie and, and um, he has kind of the demeanor of, of somebody who's in, in law enforcement, you know, kind of. Mm-hmm. And he, we sit down on the bench and he's got a briefcase with him and he opens the briefcase and there's a service revolver in the briefcase. And he tells me that in the line of duty, he's had to kill somebody and he has never taken a life, never wanted to, never intended to, but it happened and it was tearing him up. And, and Nolan had never known his biological father. And ever since he moved into the non-physical world, he's called me dad. And so he came to talk to dad about how this um, was affecting him and how he could come to grips and be a whole person again and continue to be there to support his family and to take care of himself and, and the family of the person that was killed. And, you know, we had this mm-hmm. wide ranging discussion about what it's like to take another human life on purpose. And, and so here we are. So he's in a life that is far separated from the one we shared, the briefly that we shared together and coming and he's informing me about what it's like, because I've never been in that situation. I've never been in the military or had interest in law enforcement. But now I get to be through him and he gets to have uh, the, I hope, (laughs) some wisdom from me on what another perspective might be on that to give him a couple more lenses with which to look at that experience. Oh, um, so when this whole time thing is, is really important and it, it allows for us to um, make, have, uh, it allows for us to have significant growth opportunities. And, um, you know, and it's our job to, you know, take advantage of them when they show up. Interesting. And I'll have to move on, but I've just got two questions about the whole, the whole time. And uh, you talked about the life review and we can, we can pause and choose again. Um, yeah. This is good. Wait, actually, this will probably be two questions. So the life review, you you spoke about choosing again if you were mean to the or unkind to the shop assistant. Right. Um, I'm of the belief more and more now that there's infinite probabilities of avenues that we can or multiple parallel timelines. And mm-hmm. if we can do this in the life review, can't we do it in our life? Can't we choose again? Can't we choose a different vibration or a different timeline to operate on? That is a really interesting question. And we have some people at the Monroe Institute who seriously look at that. We have a whole course that's just, it's called Timeline. And it's all about how do you navigate in um, multi-dimensions? And how do you do that simultaneously? And how do you choose? And how can that, you know, benefit you and benefit others? So it's, yes, all of that. And there are people who are, you know, diligently exploring that arena. So we don't have to be in the non-physical to possibly achieve that. No, we don't. Oh, well, I, 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 that's, a, that's an interesting question. We're not enough. We might be leaving our consciousness this is getting confusing but we can still be technically alive and (laughs) achieving that um so oh my gosh now i forgot my other question (laughs) so yes my other question is is everything 
already planned or the major events, past, present and future is everything, has already, has everything already occurred? Well, see, <laughs> if you move outside of time, um, it all, it's all happening at the same time. So right. it does, you know, so now it gets confusing, but the way I like to think of it, because I do live in the physical world and I have a physical body and it's, it's pretty easy to think of time as linear, um, is to think of it more from the standpoint of how can I, how can I be in in this world and and not be of it. Remember that whole quote? Mm -hmm. um, because we can take and place our consciousness wherever we want and we can put it in any dimension that we want. At the Monroe Institute, we call it focus levels because we can focus our attention and put it in, in all of these different dimensions. Um, I'm sorry, I got lost in my own answer. The question again was. <laughs> uh, is, so is, well, I asked you, is, every, is everything happening now, past, present, and future? Oh yeah, past, present, and future. So um, the answer that I'm understanding, this is what I believe right now, is that we organize our life in, um, we get with our soul group, that's and we say, okay, I want to have this kind of life. We, you know, would you be my child? Would you be my wife? Would you be my, my best friend, be my teacher, whatever? And we arrange this on how it goes. And we say, okay, this is our best intention for what I want to happen in my life in the physical. I enter the world of the physical and now free will kicks in. And so, yes, these things are all ordained, arranged, but do they have to happen? Oh, they don't. Um, and so I think of, um, you know, the extraordinary gift that Mary Fran and Nolan gave me. Maybe that was arranged, but it could have just as easily, she could have just as easily waited two seconds to pull out onto that highway and our lives would have been completely different. And um, so now we embark down that path of parallel universes and different timelines. And what if we had made that a different choice? And, and that's a lovely thing about the life review is you can go and say, well, what would happen if she had waited at that, at that intersection and and the car whizzed by and she pulled out and was completely safe. How would my life have played out? And I get to live that too. And it becomes part of who I am. And so it's about knowing that there's that choice available and that we can go and do that kind of work. I'm just, I'm not going to make this complicated here because I really want to move on to the Monroe Institute, but there is the possibility or the potentiality that that there is another timeline where she didn't have the car accident yes absolutely and it's still very much uh i'm using the term alive it's still very much there on a timeline it's just you're not experiencing that timeline mm -hmm. Interesting. do i have access to that timeline yes i do through you know meditative techniques you can you can do that um just mm -hmm. It's just a skill set to learn. How interesting. Well, I'm going to have to move on to the Monroe Institute. It's got so many incredible offerings. And I gave a list of all the things I wanted to talk to you about. You said, but you said, I think if you've got, we've got eight hours, that's great, but we don't. <laughs> um, by locating to me, it's fascinating, but all the offerings are fascinating. Um, I guess I'd love to talk about by locating as well, since you experienced it during your shared death experience. What did it feel like? And well, I, this is not a course. Were you conscious on yeah. both realities? It's, it's part of our uh, near-death experience intensive. Mm -hmm. In fact, I just got done teaching it last week, and and it's it's yeah, it's one of those uh, skills that we learn in conjunction with our guides. They're very helpful. I love working with guides. Oh my word, 
they they have so much knowledge. I mean, this is their realm, right? They live in the non-physical universe and they know all the corners and all the shops and all the people who have really cool insight to stuff. And you can just say, you know, I'm, I'm interested in learning about this. Okay, Scott, let's go. <laughs> and off we go. So um, what would you like to know about the Monroe Institute? Let's, let's start I'd love there. to learn about bilocating, but I also just want to mention when we spoke previously, I said, I'd love to do this, but it seems really hard and out of reach. And you were telling me your success rate is very, very high, quite remarkable, actually. And anyone can learn all of the offerings that you have. It is possible. It's not so far out of reach. Mm -hmm. But bilocating is, is fascinating to me. So the, the, the technique that I teach to in order to learn this is on an album that you can buy. It's called Meeting Your Guides. And that technique is featured uh, on the main track. So it's $20 US and away you go. I will put a link in the show notes for everyone that's listening, including all your other details, but definitely for, for your recordings as well. So um, the Monroe Institute was founded by Bob Monroe. And the reason he founded it was because he'd written a book called Journeys Out of the Body. He had had spontaneous out-of-body experiences. And at first they, they weirded him out and then he became comfortable with them. And then curiosity kicked in and he wondered, what can you do with this state? And he wrote a book after a decade of, of exploration of the non-physical universe. This book came out called Journeys Out of the Body and tens of thousands of people wanted to learn what he knew. And so he created an institute that started off teaching about how do you enter into the non-physical universe? What are the tools and techniques that you have to learn to navigate in that space? Um, what can you do there? Uh, and how can you be safe and productive and learn to communicate? And it's, um, it was an extraordinary thing. And for me, it was absolutely critical because I was in this place of grief over losing Mary Fran and Nolan. And I desperately wanted to touch that space again because it was so extraordinary. And I knew, I mean, I had had the experience of communicating with Mary Fran and Nolan in that space. Mm -hmm. So if I did it once, I got to be able to be able to do it again. So I searched all over the world and it was at the Monroe Institute that they showed me a technique that I could learn to do that. And, and not only that, it becomes, becomes part of you. So you don't need any extraneous audio technology. You learn it from there, but then once you learn it, then, you know, you chuck it. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a wonderful place that has terrific guides, meaning our trainers. Um, and we do it both, um, in person and online. Well, thank goodness we do it online because yes. right now, you, you know, our campus has been closed since March. Um, and so we offer this in a virtual environment and it's just as effective in the virtual environment as in the physical. Um, and it's, it's a hoot because um, last week when I taught the near-death experience intensive, uh, we had 10 time zones represented. So Isn't that amazing? All people from all over the world and they're, and they're connecting with each other. They're um, having shared experiences in the non-physical together. So we demonstrate to ourselves over and over again that time and space does not exist. So I can just as easily go and have an experience with somebody in England as in Italy, as in Australia, as in India. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just remarkable. And so we do it in a virtual environment and most people start, um, we have a, a, a course at the beginning that we call Gateway that is, uh, was designed by Bob Monroe and has been improved on since then. And it's a fabulous introduction to the non-physical universe. It teaches you 26 tools and techniques to enter into hold in that space and then begin to navigate around and, it is the foundation that 
you can then go and take other courses. Um, for me, the most important course that I took was one called Guidelines, and it's all about how do you connect with with guidance. And for me, that meant how did I how did I connect with Mary Fran and Nolan yeah. in a meaningful way? And I did that during that course, and that connection has remained stable ever since then. Um, you know, Nolan and I hang out all the time together, and it is great. But you know, you can talk to dead relatives and beings of light and angels and or whatever entities that you're interested in that reside in the non-physical, there's that ability. And that was taught to me in the guidelines course. And then, you know, and if you're interested in, in dead people, <laughs> uh, we have this great course called Lifelines, which is about soul retrieval. Because some people um, have troubles with their transition. Um, think a soldier in a battlefield. One second he's, you know, running around, you know, shooting, and the next second he's he's dead, and he has no sense of that transition. Just boom. And so it can be that that people are kind of lost or confused for a little while, right. and we can help because we are coming from the physical. They recognize our vibration very quickly and. And, you know, we can walk up to somebody and go, hey, you know, are, are you looking for your friends? You're looking for your relatives. And, you know, yeah, I am. I just don't know where they are. I know where they are. Come on, let's go. And, you know, we take them to the light and they get to go to the reunion and, and it's, it's all good. So, and we have probably 30 courses. I've told you about three, but yes. they're this, all kinds they're of all exciting. So, so is, is, the, is, <laughs> is the gateway course, is that the initial course to as a prelude to all the other courses? Mm -hmm. That's That would be my recommendation. There are a couple of others that you can take, but that's the one that um, I really like. And I would say, if, if you're going to do this work, take that class. And it's not that expensive. And you get a week with two trainers live. And they walk you through, you know, a series of steps that, you know, kind of sequential learning. So each skill builds on the next. And by the time you're done, um, your world will be changed. It will be changed. You'll have an entirely different outlook than you did before. It's so amazing, these tools you're offering. And I believe it's over, is it over Zoom that you connect? Yes, we use Zoom. So it's, you know, a lot of people use Zoom. It's easy. And yeah. it just click the link and you're there. It's so, so wonderful and so exciting. Thank you so much for sharing um, with the Passion Harvest audience today. I'm going to go back. I mean, I've already had a good look at the Monroe Institute, but all their offerings are quite remarkable. And um, is there anything I've not asked you the question to you that you'd like to talk to the Passion Harvest audience about? Yeah. Um, one last thing, and people will ask me this sometimes about, why, why are you teaching about death and near-death experiences? And isn't that kind of scary or isn't it maudlin? Or, I mean, it's, ugh. you know, they give me that yeah. face. And, and the answer is um, no, because once you know what's going to happen in that transition, from an intellectual standpoint, there's this, this reduction of anxiety and then because of um, the places that we take you in the meditation steps, you don't have to believe it. You actually get to experience it and know it at a very deep level. And so you begin to realize, oh, I get it. I understand what's going to happen. I have lived it. We do like 23 exercises in a week. So we make that transition a bunch of times. So by the time the course is over, you get it. I mean, it's just part of you. And what that does is it creates this amazing set, sense of freedom because now we're no longer afraid of death. We're, we don't have any concerns about what's going to happen because we've lived it, excuse me. And we have now this freedom to live here in the physical world more than we ever did before. 
because now we can engage with our passions and not have to worry about, well, what if I did this? And what if I did that? And all that judgment, that sort of thing, mm -mm. it's not there. It's, it's because we get to be free. We get to know that we are more than our physical body and it allows us to live here in the, in the 3D world with passion and joy, which is why I wanted to come on your show. Yay! <laughs> you get to live with passion. God, you're, you're the passion ambassador today, Scott. <laughs> oh, you bet. That was such a beautiful way to end the show. Thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest. I've, it's been such a delight and an honor and such an insight to talk to you today. And for anyone that's looking to connect, all your details will be in the show notes. Thank you for the invitation. It's been wonderful to share this hour with you and all of you that are out there. Bye. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. Bye. Come visit me. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. That is the end of our passionate episode. Thank you so much for listening and please subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends and spread the passion. As always, every day, may you be more and more passionate.